drums. The drums get me going on that. I love that. Guys, we're back from another episode of our Champion Reads Book Club. Joining me today are our hosts and our executive producers, Mr. Ian, oh, this way, Ian Sturmer. And down here is Miss Lauren Cobb joining us. And we'll be inviting more guests onto the show as you proceed. But we're excited because we're on to a new chapter, literally in a different book. And what that means is we're going to be exploring the works and information and the lessons found within a new copy. And I'm going to put it on the screen here so you guys can see a classic among classics, one of the original uh, uh, basis for finances and one of the best literatures in the world to finances. And this one is The Richest Man in Babylon by Georges Clausen. Excited I am to uh, pay tribute and ode to Mr. Clausen, but I'm also excited to learn more because while I've heard about this book and I've read it maybe once in my life, um, I'm really excited to do this deep dive, to talk about the various principles and aspects of the book and to find more compelling informational principles in my life for financial responsibility and so much more. But maybe it's not even just that. Maybe it's just awareness. Maybe it's understanding money in a way you didn't know. And this comes from many lessons, biblical and historical, um, uh, evidential uh, examples that will teach us how to, man, in, uh, to, to focus on the word money and finances in our lives. I'm so excited about this and I'm excited to be, you know, surrounded by much more smarter people than I am. Uh, Ian and Lauren, I'm grateful that you guys are here. And, and Ian, I'm going to, I'm going to tee it off to you. I'm going to tee it off to you uh, to, to, to just give a little bit of a background. Let's talk about this book and, 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 and where it's coming from. And let's, let's, let's lead into our discussions today. Okay. Yeah. Um, I want to start with just uh, a little side note. Um, I work with finance and I talk to people about money a lot. Um, so I oftentimes start out and say, if you want to know the secret to very fast growth of your money with no risk and without having to work hard, there aren't any, um, sorry, there just aren't. Um, but the, the richest man in Babylon is going to talk about the basics of money. Um, what are the safe ways to earn money? The simple rules of it. And I have to ask if I'm still on. My screen went weird on me. Yeah, you're still good. I'm still there. Okay, sorry. You scared me. I only saw myself, <laughs> which is a scary sight. Um, so anyway, uh, The Richest Man in Babylon is uh, a storybook, again, kind of like we did with uh, Leadership and Self-Deception. This is a series of parables about Arkad, who was the richest man in ancient Babylon, and how he went from being a humble, poor scribe with a lean purse and no money to being the richest man. Um, and it, it really talks about just the basics that we need to understand. Money's not a big, scary thing. There's no deep, dark secrets to it. Um, but if we have some discipline, if we have an idea of what we need, um, then there's some rules we can follow. Um, so today we're going to kind of dive into the seven cures to a lean purse. So who here likes to have a lean purse? Who wants to have an empty wallet? Raise of hands. <laughs> Only two of you want to have no money in there. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Let's just throw ourselves into the pit of despair. Yeah. Because leanness is apparently all we care about. Yep. Yeah, it's, 
maybe I shouldn't say it that way, but <laughs> this is old in language. So a lean purse is, is not good. Um, side note, I had a friend who, uh, work construction used to carry 50 cents and pennies in his pocket all the time. So when people said, do you have any money? He'd just kind of shake his pocket and say, yeah, I got some. And he felt rich all the time. <laughs> I love that. So maybe that's not the way we want to have a fat purse is just in pennies. <laughs> but um, kind of a, a basic of this, and I forgive me, just jumping right into it because uh, it's an exciting topic. Um, we all think that if you have a good job, you'll be rich. The more you earn, the more money you'll have. Um, and that's not true. Uh, you get talking to people about finance and um, I'll sit down with somebody who's making several hundred a year and they're living paycheck to paycheck. Um, and my in-laws who spent their whole life working in a sweatshop, tailor shop, um, earning way below minimum wage, were able to give their son money a down payment for his house. Um, you know, what you earn doesn't determine how rich you are. Um, you know, and I, I love stories, sorry, but I've heard people complain, how can you go to Costco to get all the cheap food? And you see these people driving up in their Lexus and their Tesla to Costco to save money. So, well, that's how they get the Tesla because <laughs> they save money. <laughs> um, and the, um, you know, this kind of goes through, you know, what can you do to fatten your purse, no matter what you have? And I'm just going to jump to the first rule because um, the author goes into this rule over and over in the book because it's just such an important one. Um, and the concept is a part of what you earn is yours to keep. Um, and we don't think about that. If I ask um, Lauren, and you don't have to answer this, this is rhetorical. So, you know, where does your paycheck go? You're probably thinking rent or mortgage, food, car payments, all of these things. Um, but are you thinking, I work for that. Some of that should be for me, not to play with, but to grow. Um, so the very first rule before you do anything else is set aside a minimum of 10% of money to grow so you can make that money work for you. Um, and I'm going to stop at that right now and, and turn it back to you guys to say, what do you think? Can you, can you take your budget and save 10%? Yeah, I, I'll just jump right on in. And I think it's funny because in the book and the, the language that they use is start thy purse to fatten, which AKA means pay yourself first. Right. And I was the first one to ask that question, which is why it's, I think it's funny that I'm telling it is, uh, you know, I didn't understand it. I don't really know what that meant, but um, I mean, if you ask anyone in finances, right, they say it's very, very important to set some money aside. Um, let's start with just like the most popular financial advisors in the, in the, in the world right now, like Dave Ramsey, he says, you, you know, you need to have your emergency fund, right? That's what he talks about. Um, if you read anything by 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 Tony Robbins and some of the uh, the wealth and financial books, it's about um, creating that source that that continues to pay. So, as far as like anyone on the spectrum of the financial gurus out there right now, 
they're going to all say a variation of this, which is, you know, you need to pay yourself. You need to set some stuff aside. And, you know, as, as a, um, as a young Christian boy, uh, the, the 10% rule is interesting because I always grew up thinking I needed to set 10% aside for tithe and pay to give to, you know, my church, my organization or my religion. Right. But while that's an acceptable piece of charity and, and, and donation, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about 10% for yourself. And that is something that I never understood. And so here I am 30 plus years old and I'm thinking, wow, I've, I've been not deceived, but I haven't really understood the full principle of this my entire life. And so I just wanted to jump in and say, yeah, um, whether it's 2%, 10%, 20%, or if you're capable of 50, that's amazing. But essentially being able to pay yourself is not only a good habit, but it's a noble cause because you are worth what you put in. And like you said earlier, Ian, in the example, like if you just work a job your entire life, you're never going to be rich because you're, 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 you're banking on the idea and the theory that if I put in the work and I make money, that I'll have everything I need. And essentially you're going to end up like the example you shared where people just pay check to paycheck, pay their bills and live a life of non-prosperity. And um, it's evident. I've seen it in my life in so many examples, but the times and places where I've taken just a little bit of side and made sure that that was a nest egg, an emergency fund, a, a savings, or even just something that I can, I can hold on to that I can put into somewhere where it will build. Uh, that's been that's been a motivation. Sorry, a motivating multiplier for me in my life. So just just jumping right down in there. Yeah. Um, with that, if you put ten percent aside, here's a math question for you. So I'll see which way you can get this. You put ten percent of your income aside for ten years. What percentage of your income are you going to have in that nest egg? What was that, Lauren? Yeah, but 100%. You're going to have, so what if you had an entire year's salary to invest? Could you do something with that? Yeah. Yeah. So 10% over 10 years gives you a year's salary to put into something. Um, So that little amount really can grow quickly. Now, 10 years, I'm old, so 10 years is not that long. Some of you young bucks there, 10 years sounds like a long time, but <laughs> going to come faster than you realize. Um, I, that's 100% true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. This, this basic math is killing me, guys. Okay. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> um, so I, I read recently, um, they did a survey in the U.S. now, the majority of people making 100000 are living paycheck to paycheck. Um, which is a scary thing. Yeah. Um, but once you start to learn to put some aside and you tell yourself that that is put aside first, um, John mentioned religious one and, and we've done that. You know, if you pay a 10% tithe to your church, they teach you do that first and then live on the rest. And it's amazing how you can do that. Um, and there's a, another analogy that I love from uh, Douglas Adams, the author of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And he gave this analogy that um, if there's a a pothole and there's water in that pothole, 
the water is thinking, wow, it is amazing how this hole fits me so perfectly. Like every corner of me fits exactly into this hole. And as the water starts to evaporate in the sun, water is saying, wow, even after I evaporate, this hole still fits me just exactly perfectly. Um, and he, he has a different point with that one. But that same analogy, if you teach yourself to earn less or to use less and spend less, you'll find that you fit into that. Um, and if you question that, here's a, another rhetorical question. Um, last time you got a raise, did you find that you had a bunch more money left over? Or did you find that you spent just as much percentage-wise of your salary as you did before the raise? Yeah. Um, your needs will increase with your money. Um, but the, the converse is true as well. Your needs will decrease as your money decreases. Um, so understanding that concept um, is the most important part of it. You are in control of your money, of your finance. Um, and putting aside 10% is the first step to prove that you're in control. I can do this. And seriously, it's so much easier than anyone realizes. Um, once you do it, um, you don't notice it. Um, and put that aside so it can earn for you in the future. Never touch it unless it's going to be to earn you money. I love that. It's hard. Like, I feel like that's been the last couple of years of our lives as we've grown our business and things like that. Like we're making more money than we've ever made before. But it, for a while it was like, why do we still feel like we're broke sometimes? One is that mentality, not paying ourselves first. It's just, okay, these are the bills. These are expenses. All of that went out first. And it was like, why don't we have anything left? You know, like what is, it just became frustrating. And that was one of the things we were missing is we weren't paying ourselves first. It was get taken care of, take care of all these things. And then what's left over, let's figure out what to do with it. And once you change that, like the stress goes away, the, like everything just kind of falls into place, but it is a hard one to abide by, especially when I love shopping. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh, we could update the rug. We could update. It's like suddenly like $500 out the window in, you know, things that we didn't really need, you know? So it's, it's interesting. And it's a total mindset shift as you make more money how are you going to save it and spend it? Because our, our living expenses didn't change, but our wants and our needs did. Right. And that leads us right into the second principle of this, which is control your expenditure <laughs> um, or control your expenses in modern day language. Um, yeah. It's so easy to think I've got a little bit more money so I can do something more with it. Right. Um, and I'm going to to do another analogy. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, if you want to lose weight, is it more important to control your eating or to exercise? Both. Both are important, but in a good workout, how many calories do you burn? 200, 300? In a good meal, how many calories do you consume? Up to a thousand or more. Yeah. In a, in a day, 
if you control your exercise, maybe you're going to burn another 50 or 100 calories. But when you're eating, if you control your eating, you may be saving 500, 1,000 calories a day by controlling your eating. Um, same thing here. If you control your expenses, um, that's where the biggest changes are going to happen. Um, now, in increasing your income is a great one as well. But that takes a whole different level, um, which is why it's further on the list. Uh, yeah. But if you control your expenses, um, decide ahead of time what you need. And that horrible B word, budget. <laughs> you need to have a budget and decide what do I need? Um, so is that, you know, shopping is fun. Um, hated it for a long time, but after many years of having to go with my wife, I kind of enjoy it now. <laughs> um, and I sometimes catch myself saying, you know what? I actually just got paid. I should go buy something. What do I need? It's like, I, I almost have more of a desire to buy something just because I have some money. Um, that, that's bad, by the way. Don't do that. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yeah. <laughs> but it is. It's true, though. Like, we've always had what we considered a budget. But after taking a deeper dive and looking and learning at things, of things, we were just tracking expenses. We weren't budgeting out everything. We, it was like, okay, here's the bills. But then we weren't saying, okay, we're only going to spend this much on eating out. We're only going to, it was just like, oh, there's that money where you can use it. Right. It wasn't, we're budgeting out and sticking to this plan. So that's a different mindset that I've had to change as well. It is. And your first step is great. Um, you need to know what's there first. Right. Um, and once you see what you have to spend money on and what things are optional, what things yeah. you want, then you can can start to set a budget and say, this is what we can do for this. Um, right. But not putting those in and writing them down was where it was killing me because that money was just going out the window and I didn't didn't have to think about okay, wait, I said I'd stick to $50 this week. Instead, it was just like, you know. Yeah, there's an old uh, budgeting saying, I can't be out of money. I still have checks left. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, just controlling what it is, knowing your expenses, being in charge of it. Um, the same with time management or anything else. Um, once you realize you're in control, and he uses that example um, in this book. Um, in one of the stories, one of the men says, I can't live by a budget. It's going to constrain me. It's going to—it's not going to let me do what I want to. I'm going to be stuck in, in this box that I hate. Um, and uh, Akbar, or Akbed, I'll look up his name later. The, the richest man in Babylon turns to him and says, well, who's going to write the budget? The guy says, well, I am. So who's controlling where the money goes? Well, I am. <laughs> um, so a budget doesn't constrain you because you're the one that creates it. You can make it whatever you want to. Um, but as you start working on it, I think you'll find you want to start saving more um, as you realize what that'll do for you. 
I'll I'll jump in here and just say a couple things. Now, number one, I'll speak for all the men here who hate doing the budget and finances by saying, "What do we usually do when it comes to just going out, working the job, coming home? We pass the budgeting and finances over to our, our, our spouse, right? And and they usually take care of it, really look at it. We don't even want to think about it. We don't even want to look at it. But what you said, Ian, is so brilliant because when it comes to when it comes to literally taking a a step in the right direction you will be surprised in what it takes to to make that change when you write things down um we talk about this at champion circle we talk about this in just general conversations that when you literally take a pen or pencil and you put it on paper it has so much more um applicable power then you know i i get it I, no one loves spreadsheets more than i do and uh, excel you know and stuff like that but I, re- I really i really think that when you take the physical device and you write things down you you truly do find a sense of control and power and we talk a lot about habits and habit control and i know we're only two steps in of the seven but i want to talk about some application right away which is literally if you want to develop an immediate habit that's a positive habit and look gets you more money at the end of the day, I think that this is one in two steps of immediately having a habit that you can succeed at. I mean, they always say it takes what 21 days to form a habit. They've scientifically proven that it actually takes 45 days to form a habit, but with the decision and belief um, mindset, you can actually formulate that that habit in a couple of days, whatever you are tending to lean on either way, this is one of those things that it just requires you to do it. And then you can set reminders and you can literally do it again. Paychecks usually come twice a month. Uh, if that's the case, you can set a reminder to every single paycheck to setting some setting some aside and being in control. It's a good feeling. It's an affirmation to positive focus and, 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 and saving. And as well as it's really, again, uh, um, I don't have to know anything about this book. Then all I have to know is if the richest man in Babylon is teaching you principles and if he's the richest person in this place, which Babylon was a big place, if you know the Bible, it, it truly becomes a principle of saying, okay, all right, I can do this one step at a time, save money, put it aside and be in control of my expenditures. I think that's just super valuable. All right, off my pedestal there, but I just thought we're two steps in and we already needed application. Uh, The last thing I'll say, sorry about that is, is yes, write it down. Yes, you can use spreadsheets. Yes, you can you can you can find a place to put it. You know where you're going to put it, but um, you know, come up with that decision on your own. It's personal to everybody, but still, the principle will remain the same. So that's what I wanted to share. Thank you. Yeah. Um, just to share a practical application of that as well. Um, if you have a, a regular paycheck from a regular job, um, most of them will allow you to split your direct deposit, and you could put 10% into a separate bank account from the start. So it never comes into your main bank account. And if you never see it there, it's going to grow without you knowing. Um, And a benefit of inflation and interest rates going up is now banks are paying interests. Um, You can get 4% return on a savings account if you shop around at banks now, Um, which is the next part, multiply your savings. (laughs) Um, You can hide it under your bed. 
And in 10 years, you'll have a year's worth of salary to use. Um, but you can multiply that saving, um, putting it into something as simple as a savings account at this point and earn some interest. Um, I'm not going to go into deep investment strategies and things in this one. Um, you really can't do that in this format in this time. But uh, just the simplest one is a bank account that pays you interest. Um, and it's there, it's liquid in the emergency, and it'll start growing for you at least a little bit, maybe not even keeping up with inflation, but more than keeping it under your bed. Um, so the idea is to look for ways that you can earn money on what you're saving because uh, we talked about slavery before. It, I'm going to get in trouble saying that word now. <laughs> but uh, make your money your slave. Make it work for you. And make your, your money's children become your slaves as well. And them work for you. <laughs> and their children. Um, which, of course, is the miracle of compound interest. Yeah, and to save you on that language. Uh, <laughs> is, uh, what a great intro, John. Uh, yeah. but to, to, because of that, the, the book is talking about an olden belief, right? The elderly belief, uh, which was of biblical times. You know, slavery was huge back then. Um, you know, what we, would, what we would consider is, you know, to this day, money isn't isn't your your you don't own it right it's it's an abundance it's it's a resource from god that men created to create value amongst humanity and I, and i love this because in in many ways i'm more motivated by the idea that money can be my multiplier and i've heard that phrase used by other people and they call it the money multiplier they talk about different uh financial tools and resources to multiply your money by by putting it into accounts and so forth but but think of money as a multiple as a multiplicity of 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 abundance and you need money to create money but that doesn't necessarily mean you need to spend money to make money what it means is that in order to have even if it's the 50 pennies in your pocket that you're running around with and you can still use that as a way to grow um, and I won't get into too many specifics either, but I have done a lot of research and I've looked around and I mean, even some of the world's biggest, um, you know, credit providers like, like, uh, American express or whatever, like even those companies that are known for their credit card company, um, options have a, a, a savings account. And it's like, wow, I didn't know a credit card company can provide a savings account. Yeah. And they'll even pay four percent annually or more like it, it's so amazing what these other companies have you just kind of do a little research and uh you know we're happy to dive into that and talk more about it but to save on time and and, and really uh um to, to 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 really not get off track here is that you can find many vehicles to grow your money and to multiply it whether it's a small percentage in just a regular savings account at your u.s bank or you know looking into greater options just make the habit happen and work out the details later because you want to get into a good habit of focusing on the right things. But I, I love this. Absolutely love this principle. And again, we could get into the, the, the nitty gritty details, but without doing that, you know, we, we highly recommend without getting financial advice on this show, we're not really doing that. We're giving advice as to uh, um, ancient principles, uh, historical, biblical principles and values that will give us a little bit more direction. Yeah. I want to jump in real quick and disagree with something you said before. 
I love disagreeing. Um, so you said we don't own money. Um, and there's a mindset to that, that I own money because the alternative is money owns me. Um, money is so intrinsic to our life that you can't escape it. Um, and you have to realize that you either control it or it controls you. Um, and once you have that mentality that I'm controlling it, just like that budget, I'm creating the budget. You know, there's things that I can't control within the budget, but I'm controlling how it's all spent, how it's divvied, what's going to be invested, where it's invested. I'm the one making those decisions. I own that money. Um, otherwise, I'm not paying attention and I'm getting letters in the mail saying that somebody else owns my money. And I need to pay them if I want to have a place to sleep tonight. <laughs> um, yeah. So that idea of being in control. And I think that's central to most people I talk to that struggle with money is they don't realize that they're in control. They feel that every, everyone else is controlling their money. Um, so first simple one is the budget. Um, I'm going to make another analogy, just like a goal. Uh, one of my favorite sayings is, a goal that's not written down is a hallucination. Um, a true. budget that's not written down is an open window that your money is flying out of. Yeah. So, um, when you were talking about the 50 pennies in your pocket, it reminded me one of my first jobs. Um, so I graduated high school at 15 and then I moved out on my own at 17 and had my own job and stuff. And I was a personal assistant for an investor and he wanted us to carry around $500 in cash in our pocket at all times. And he said it looked good. Like us as his working for him, he's like, it was an image thing, right? That we always had an abundance of cash. We always, but at that young of an age, it gave me, I had that money. I could do whatever I want with at the moment. And I just, I always had money, you know, and it was my own money. If we spent it for business things, obviously we'd be reimbursed, but I, it just, it instilled a bad habit very young that I had all this money and I was making good money for being so young and single. And I don't have a penny to show for it. Like I have hundred dollar jeans that I don't fit in anymore. I have $200 green boots that I don't know that I would step out of the house in anymore, like just little things like that. And those habits I had to change young because I didn't, I wasn't mature enough to dig into principles like this. And it really threw a loop. Like sure. I was learning it. I heard of it, but how to implement it at such a young age, I didn't have control over. And it, it's sad to think I was making about $3,000 a month at 17 and I have nothing to show for it. You know, I drove a nice car that didn't fit car seats when we had kids and we got rid of it. And anyway, I just think all the lessons I, I wish I knew when I was that age could have, I could be in a way different position than I'm in today. You know, I'm thankful for where I'm at, but those lessons I wish I would have learned younger. Yeah. I love that. And that actually carries into the next point as well. Um, which is to guard your investment from loss. Um, I'm reading a different list than John has up there. Sorry. <laughs> guard your treasure from loss. Um, 
and the first way to do that is don't buy dumb stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh, Jeff Foxworthy has a line about that. He, he stands up and he says, see these boots? And he's got these blue eel skin boots. <laughs> and he says, these boots make a statement. And that statement is you can't give a redneck money. <laughs> so, um, mine, mine were emerald green stilettos, okay? Ah. But knee-high emerald green. And the funny thing is, I remember walking in and showing my mom, like Ty and I were dating and we went over and I was like, mom, look what I bought myself. And she straight up goes, those look like, like somebody who's standing on the corner. You know, why would you ever wear those? And I was like, what? And then Ty sitting off to the side, he's like, I think they're sexy. <laughs> anyway, but. So they both agreed. Yes. <laughs> disagree. Uh, but it's funny because I thought I wore them forever. I did get good use out of them for outfits, not for the other. <laughs> yeah. But it's just silly things. Like I was so happy that I could go afford those couple hundred dollar leather boots and they're not bad things to have but you need to be applying the principles behind your money and in control of it and not just excited and letting the money run you right and that control is important um you know my friend who had the the pennies in his pocket he felt rich when he when he had those pennies he felt it jingling that yeah. gave him the sense he needed so he didn't go out and buy more things to feel rich right and quite often we spend money so we can feel rich um and that's now, exactly aside, yeah you'll you'll never feel as good buying something as you will looking at a statement of the money you have saved it's true um so there's two sides to to making sure you don't lose your investment one is that controlling your expenditure don't spend it on things that aren't necessary um now, if you have a business, there's expenses. You might need to have a certain kind of a wardrobe. Um, if you're chasing after a really cute guy like Ty, you might need to have a certain kind of shoes to, to get that. It didn't take that, thankfully. <laughs> yeah. I thought um, his parents, he was a stickler. He loves saving money. And so then here I am. His family couldn't believe that I got him buying shirts from the buckle and things like that. They're like, what? Who is this? You know? <laughs> I got him into bad habits of spending for a while. And so it just shows who you surround yourself with, right? Like I'm thankful I grew up and he's helped me in those ways, but it's true. It's, yeah. it's Otherwise true. we can't hang out anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but that first part of it, you know, control your expenditure. Don't buy things that are foolish. Um, sometimes spending more money on something is the wise choice. Sometimes getting the cheaper one is the wise choice. And again, I'm not going to give advice here about what you should buy and not buy. Um, but the other portion of that is um, once you've saved some money, you need to make that money work for you. Um, we did mention one thing, which is simply a savings account that pays interest um, is a very safe investment to put it in. Um, you're pretty much guaranteed to get something back. Those rates can change, um, but you're going to get something. Um, and the parable he gives in this book is uh, the young man who first saves some money. He says, oh, I'm going to invest it. Um, I've got this, this leather merchant, and he's going to be traveling over to Syria. And he got a good deal on some jewels. 
and he's going to buy those jewels, bring them back here. We're going to sell them to make a lot of money. Um, and the, the richest man in Babylon kind of laughs at him. Um, and then a year later, he comes back and says, well, how did your investment go? As well, it turns out this leather merchant doesn't know anything about jewels. And he spent all our money on a few pieces of glass that were worthless. <laughs> he says, okay, if you're going to trust your money to someone, trust it to somebody who knows what they're doing. If you're going to buy jewels, go to the jeweler. <laughs> have him go buy the jewels and bring them back. If you want leather, go to the leather merchant and have him do it. <laughs> um, do things that you can trust. I, I just talked to a friend. He says, oh, I just heard this, this great investment one. And he told me these phenomenal returns on the investment. And his friend was trying to get him to do it. I won't go into the details there. But um, my question to him was, so how are they earning this money? I don't know. Okay, if, if you don't know who's in charge of investing this money, you don't know what they're investing in or how they're getting those returns, you're probably going to walk away with nothing. Um, if you don't, you know, we don't have to understand the intricate details of finance, but we need to know that we're putting it in the trust of somebody who is following the principles of finance. Um, there is no get rich quick scheme. Um, there is a fabulous get rich slow scheme that I advocate all the time. Um, you know, it's, you can't expect to get fabulous returns ever. Um, if you've got some money to play with and it's not important, go play with, with Bitcoin. That's fine. But if you're trying to grow your money, you need to put it into a safe investment that has growth. Talk to a financial planner. Talk to your bank even about options. Look at the safe ones because I would say as I'm old now, I'm a lot more concerned about losing money than I am about gaining money. Um, I still want to earn some, but I'm really careful not to lose what I have because I don't have time to earn it again before I need it to retire. So safety first. I want to I want to jump in for a second, and uh, you know I'm I'm just thinking about as we continue to do these shows. Um, I definitely want to add some like some some cool things that pop up, like uh, like the application bomb and truth bomb, and like a bunch of things that just like come in because there's so many valuable punches to each of these points, and I I, I think they're worth diving into a little bit without taking up too much time. I want to obviously keep these brief, but. I love I love this conversation and I love the value that we can gain just by application and experience. Um, and also, I think it's interesting if you're listening to this and you're like, well, you know, I've heard it before, but I still don't trust it. And they say, you know, don't trust the the get rich, um, get rich quick schemes. I'll tell you guys, I've tried them all. <laughs> I'll admit <laughs> that I, I've been sucked into those marketing campaigns and I have found nothing but uh, lost money and very, very wasted time and uh, a lack of resources following the events that occurred. But I, I just want people to know, like, unashamedly, like, it's something that you just need to build a trust on that, that, that your finances can and will grow, right? Just the belief system here is, is they can grow. And, and even just if it's sitting in something that has almost zero to 0.0001% growth over time, that's still growth. 
Okay. There are very few things out there that are available to us that have negative growth. And it's just important to know that. Um, I wanted to share just real quick a couple of applications too that that helped me. And maybe, maybe I'm just more posh than the average person. But what I mean by that is like I still like to feel rich. <laughs> I still like to have those moments where I where I indulge. And I have found that there are that there are placebos in my life that really help me stay and feel connected to that feeling I want to have. And sometimes it it literally is just having a nice hot cup of whatever you drink in the morning, sit next to a book and then have a little ray of sunshine. Like that is a rich feeling. And so while there's no monetary value in that, it is a feeling that can sustain the the actions and the control that you're going to be developing as you follow through with these steps. And I, I like that. Like if you can think of other warming, rich feelings in your life, you can use those, lean into those so that you don't make bad expenses, bad habits, or just anything that goes into the loss of money rather than the accumulation and the growth of your own money. So just thought I would share some examples that might help for the for the person like me who who wants to feel that way but they're not willing to like sacrifice like the feeling of 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 good of good feelings over the process like you don't have to this doesn't have to be a hard hurtful painful process you can enjoy the experience and the journey and there's there's ways to do that without spending anything i agree with that one thing that we've enjoyed doing is um some advice we were given is celebrating the small wins, right? Like, so it's not a bad thing to have nice things, to have a nice house, to have a nice car, but you make it a point that you reach that when, when you've reached a certain success kind of thing, or so we've had the same TV since we were married 13 years ago. It was our first big spending thing as a couple, like we spent $300 on this TV and that was a big deal. Ty was in college and I was working to support us. And anyway, it was a big deal. We've had that same TV today and it's still working. The remote doesn't work all the time, different things, but Ty has been wanting a new TV for a very long time. And at first we said, okay, we'll get it when you graduate college because everything's going to be great, you know? Like, and then you hit that point, it's like, oh, we're even more poor than when we were, when we were in college for a little while because you're adjusting to new things. And, and it's just been one of those things that we didn't, we kept saying, we'll get it someday. And finally, it's like, okay, our TV's starting to not work properly. So that is something we value and our kids use it. We use it for schooling through our homeschool and stuff. So we finally said, I said, okay, I'm okay. If you get your nice big TV, you know, let's do it. And so we came up with, okay, let's hit this, this goal in sales in our company and then use some of that money to go buy the TV you've wanted, you know, and it's just been a good thing. Like, okay, we can have those nice things. Let's do it a smart way. Right. Like, and there's so many times I'm like, just go put it on the credit card and then we'll pay it off when, you know, we get this, this done and this and ties over here saying, no, we're paying cash for this because we will have the money. So let's wait and not have instant gratification and just walk in and pay cash. He's like, why? It's going to be two weeks. It's fine. And so it's fun learning those things and actually applying them. And you do feel so much better 
when you follow those principles that you have set in your life for a reason. And it's, it's more gratifying to get those nice things that you want when you've done it the right way. It is. Um, we all want some nicer things and there are some techniques you can use. Um, if you decide you want something, look at your budget and see where you can chop some off. Um, yeah. My wife and I say this to each other all the time. We save money where we can so we can spend money where we need or want to. Um, so save it first to do that. And as you have your budget, you know, you've set aside your 10%. Um, then you've got your 70% or your 80, 90%. Sorry. We actually later on go into never spend more than 70%. <laughs> um, it was, but start out spending, you know, no more than 90%. Um, you have your budget. There's a piece at the end that's left over. Um, and some months that's going to be a little more, some months a little bit less. And you can take that piece of the budget and say, I need a new TV. So 10, 20, 50% of that leftover is going to go into the TV budget every month until we can do it. Because the last thing you want is to rack up a debt and be, instead of your money earning for you, your purchases are costing you every month. Even after you've paid for them, you still have to keep paying for them. Um, so don't get caught into that trap. And I think in time, I'm gonna to jump to the next principle, um, which is own your own home. Um, okay, that's a tough one to say. <laughs> um, every person I've talked to about money later in life has said the single most important thing over everything else is to own a home. Um, it, it just is. Um, you're paying for your home no matter what, whether you're renting or buying. Um, you're still paying for it. There's issues buying, I get that. There's down payments and we're not gonna go into the details there, but do what you can to own your own home. Um, I know we just sold a home and are buying a new one and we're kind of looking without doing a deep dive into finance. We were in that home for almost 20 years. Okay, when we sold it, we got back everything we paid in mortgage over the last 20 years, plus a bunch more. So we basically lived for free for the last 20 years um, because we owned a home. Plus, we had equity built into it. If we ever needed it, it was there. Plus, we got a whole bunch of tax deductions out of that. Um, we refinanced our home and didn't realize at the time how much less tax deduction we would have because of a better interest rate, um, which was the bad side. But the good side is realizing how much you are saving, just all these aspects of it. Um, you know, why not rent from yourself and pay yourself the rent and put that into probably, I can't make any definitions here, the best investment anyone ever makes is initially their home. Now, question on that, Ian. Yes. As, as things have changed and our economy's changed dramatically the last three, four years with the pandemic, a lot of people now are saying like, it's almost un, 
realistic to think that most of our generation and even our kids will ever own a home because of the the pricing and the inflation and stuff. What is your opinion on that? And how would this, how do we tie this into this principle? Okay. If you put aside 10% of your earnings every month for a year, maybe two years, would twice your annual income be enough down payment to get into a house? Yeah. Probably for most of us. With three times your annual income, actually, sorry, I did my math wrong there. That's 30 years, <laughs> um, 10 years. <laughs> um, is it, you know, it's realistic if we really work at it. Um, I'm going to give a, a quick analogy I was thinking of earlier again. Um, so Netflix costs, what, 12, 15 bucks a month? Yeah. Um, and we watch Netflix 10, 15 hours a month maybe more. Um, if you didn't have Netflix, you would save $15 a month and have 20 hours a month more to earn money. Um, do you really want a house or do you want to watch Real Housewives of whichever city they're currently staying in? <laughs> um, what's important to you? Do you want your house or you want to watch somebody else's house? Um, there's no big secret to money, but you have to be disciplined. And above all, you have to know what you want. Um, the shiny boots are nice, but if you want that house and you're willing to sacrifice the pleasure and the money now, the things that you would like to have now, you can get it. Um, is it going to be your dream house? No. Is it going to be in the neighborhood you want it to be? Probably not. Um, is a terrible, ugly house a good investment? Almost always <laughs> investment. Are you telling me I'm being too picky? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's um, true. It's easy to get picky in that, right? Like, but it is a reminder to me that principle is principle. And the principle is still true even through economical differences and uh, as time goes on, these principles were true then and their principles are true now. And so it's just how we apply it in our day and age. So I appreciate that. Yeah, it is. It's, it's all about the principle and the discipline. Um, nothing we've talked about is a huge revelation. Um, you should save money. And, and have you ever heard that before? Yeah. You shouldn't spend too much. Have you heard that before? <laughs> Um, you know, put things in a safe investment. This is all common sense at its most basic. Um, but if we're not doing it, it doesn't matter. Um, exactly. You know, there's, um, and there's a, sorry, another analogy, um, knowing something versus believing something. Um, and believing is way more important than knowing. And my analogy for that is, I know with absolutely no doubt, perfectly scientifically proven that if I floss daily, my teeth will be better. However, my belief is that eh, if I miss today, it's not going to hurt anything. Um, which of those is stronger? My belief 
that it's not that important is way stronger than my absolute knowledge that it is. Um, that's where money comes in. We know we need to save. We know we need to budget. There's no question about it. But we believe we can get by doing something differently. Yeah. And we believe it's okay to say, well, that's why we it's society's fault. I can't buy a house. Right. Um, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying every person can certainly do it. But um, when I was in college, my wife and I were looking for an apartment and we realized that for the same price of an apartment, we could buy a mobile home. And we lived in a trailer park. We had a double wide and our friends came over and were so jealous of us. <laughs> and half of the money we paid was a rent for the lot fee. The other half was the mortgage. And when we sold the trailer a couple of years later, there's a whole story behind that. But to, to make it brief, we got some of that money back. Um, and that's amazing. Getting into a mobile home, not that hard. <laughs> Doesn't take a whole lot. And even there, you're still building some equity. I'm not saying that's the strategy I'm recommending to people. But um, it's a good, good idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're going to be paying something to somebody. Yeah. Um, if you can get into something small and again, always buy the worst house in the neighborhood and um, not to boast, we're in the process of buying a house, my wife and I now, and um, after this is our fourth house that we've owned or it will be, um, so we build up equity. This is the first time we've been able to buy something that we like. It's, it's bordering on our dream house. Um, and I was showing a friend and there was a picture of our house we're buying and the house is next to it. And they said, good, you got the smallest house up there. I said, yep. We went for the worst house in the best neighborhood because um, it will grow better in value. We get all the benefits of the rich people around us. Um, and we have a nice house that we like. Um, but awesome. that's 30 years down the road from when we bought our, our mobile home. Um, it's a get rich slow, um, but own your own home. Start working toward that goal. If you haven't yet, um, you will never regret buying a home. Um, and if you want that feeling of being rich, like wearing the nice shoes or something, when you unlock that door with the key that you own the front porch of the house, the bank owns the rest still, but you own maybe the closet door inside as well, but it's yours. Um, that feeling is better than any pair of shoes, any car. And the day you send in that last mortgage check, you will never in your life feel better than that. Don't tell your spouse that. They're going to say the, the wedding was supposed to be or the child being born. But when you pay out that house, there is no feeling better. That That's awesome. Check. I love that. Well, it's been a pleasure. I do need to bow out, but thank you for chatting and I'm excited for next week. Yeah, thank you. And we might have hit our time limit as well, John. <laughs> I think we're close. We're definitely getting there and, and that's okay. And, and Lauren, thank you. And Ian, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I've been chuckling this whole time, not in uh, you know disrespect to anything we've been saying, but we talked about Netflix. We talked about... <laughs> you know, saving and, and really some absolute truth bombs in, in, in what you said. 
uh, I have to show this clip. Like I can't leave this conversation without showing this clip because of course I'm one of those people who has spent way <laughs> too much time watching videos and stuff like that where I could have used that to make money. And I'm the first person to admit it and I'm guilty of it. And, um, you know, I just, I just think the world needs to see this. It's a minute long and uh, I'm going to share it on my screen anyway. <laughs> so you guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Give you one second here. I'm going to pull this up. Yeah. You, and it just, it just, it reminds me of the phrase that you said, Ian, which is, uh, you know, Jeff Foxworthy or, and how you should never give a redneck money. Well, uh, this I think is, is definitely uh, what I, <laughs> sorry, I need to, I, I'm like laughing and I know you guys need, you're like, I want to see what it is. I want to know what it is. But um, anyways, there we go. Uh, later. Okay, cool. I just needed to fix some settings here. I'm going to pick a window and I'm going to go with this one and here we go that's the one i want and i'm gonna go to youtube okay <laughs> so if you guys are familiar with reno 911 lieutenant dangle he says a little bit of uh here i'm just gonna full screen it and you guys can see it for yourselves ah! sorry my picture getting squirrely on me oh i've had some boots on layaway here at the zapateria la bailarina for western fashions here in reno you really can't beat zapateria la bailarina well, you can, but not at these prices, really. Let's do it. It's go time. Genuine ostrich. Three payments. Oh! Wait, what? I'm just goofing. New boot goofing. Oh! <laughs> New boot goofing. <laughs> just goofing. New boot. I've been... <laughs> I've been sitting here for like 10 minutes straight with smiling thinking about that. And, and again, it's to make fun of the, Ooh, genuine ostrich, three paint, you know, and it, it's, it, it, if you can make light of the concepts that we're talking about, it makes it easier for us to say, yeah, it's, it's stupid. Like why shouldn't I be in control of my finances? And, and that's what I choose to do is make light of the things that I have made mistakes on so that I don't do them again. And I think this is just a powerful way to wrap up sort of what we're, we're talking about. And if we need to rush through or brief through the last few principles, we can. And Lauren, thank you for your help and, and conversations today. Yeah. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. Let me, try and do a, a quick uh, couple second overview of those last two principles For sure. um, ensure your future income um, like i said i'm old i'm more worried about losing money than gaining it retirement is a huge thing owning a home is a huge portion of my retirement um, but be putting something aside 401k ira um, cash life insurance is something that i work with a lot um, there's a lot of, of safe ways to put aside for the future because you're going to want that so much more. Uh, food when you're old is more important than boots when you're young. Um, and the final one is increase your ability to earn. And I was reading an article several years ago, um, how should you invest different amounts of money? And it said, um, I think it was a 500, if you have $500, what is the best investment you can make with $500? And it was a new suit. Um, because that increases your ability. I think $100 was a couple of books to increase your ability to earn. Um, always be learning, always be looking for new opportunities. Um, there has never in the history of man been more opportunities to earn money than there is now. 
um, if it's from, I mean, donating plasma, Uber, DoorDash, these are things that most people can do and without too much trouble earn an extra hundred bucks a week. And an extra hundred bucks a week, is that 5,000 a year? Not doing my, I don't have my calculator for the math. <laughs> Over 5,000 a year in that, <laughs> um, that you can put into an investment for the future and let that grow. Or get out of debt if you're in debt so that you can start having money work for you rather than having to pay that to somebody else. Um, so that's the last two points on that. But yeah, and I just yeah. follow up by saying like simplicity, right? Simplifying it. And I love this because these are ancient principles that have stuck around and have tested time. And I, I love it, man. I, I'm so glad we dove deep into what these were. And uh, sorry for the image of old language that makes zero sense to the average eye. But I'm glad we had Ian here to, to interpret that because I'm old enough really to get that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but but again, like valuable discussions around this. And today I'm walking around with a drove of notes because I, I, I definitely feel like as simple as these are, we are still yet the the adolescence and the idea of 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 growth and, and 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 riches. And it's great to hear your examples. And I know you said, here's another analogy, but like, I think the analogies are really powerful and helpful. And and for us, uh, for those of you listening at home, we, we encourage you to to dive into each one of these steps and to check them out and you know pick up a copy of The Richest Man in Babylon. Read along with us. We're going to be spending the entire month. And I'm, I'm thinking about this, Lee, and it, it's going to be funny for us to go through this because there'll be four sessions of focusing on this book. And it really is only a few hundred pages long. Like We have to really stretch to get some material. No, I'm just kidding. There's so much maybe. In this. But but luckily we have me who who will talk about anything for anything for longer periods of time than they need to. But I, I, I appreciate your examples and thank you for diving into this for us. And join us next week where we're going to dive even deeper into more conversations and we could get into anything from um, the various principles that, that are shared throughout this book. And uh, if you have any questions or want to ask about some of the things we're talking about, please let us know. Um, send an email to team at mychampioncircle.com where we'll be able to answer any of those questions and share more with you. And of course, go to mychampioncircle.com anyways to check out what we've got going on as Champion Circle is the uh, the founding uh, sponsor of this opportunity and also connect with us, learn what we've got going on. Maybe we've got an online training coming up or a, uh, a chapter open in a city near you soon. So please just uh, reach out to us and we'll find out more. But Ian, thanks for doing this and uh, we'll continue next week. Thank you. All right, guys, we'll see you later. <laughs>